What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive Yes sir, welcome back Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast I'm your host Molly Moe Coach Mall, Hen Dog Mall, Vegas Mall, man. Everybody back from the bye week. I hope everybody has enjoyed their time away from the Washington Commanders. Even though you really couldn't get away, right? We had a lot of things going on over the past week and some change. Um, we're going to do our best to talk about the, the hot ticket items. Um, AJ Andre is on the way. AJ's backstage getting ready. Um, that sounds weird. But you know, StreamYard, backstage, whatever. <laughs> uh, but we're going to get him up in a second. Uh, I see somebody has said something. And what's up, Will? What's up, player? Um, but, yeah, no, I hope everybody, let's, let's kind of get into it. I hope everybody has enjoyed their break. Um, I, I know you really couldn't literally get away from uh, the, the team uh, and, and all that stuff. What's going on, Hawk? What's going on, Gs? Appreciate y'all checking in early off the E. Um yeah, man, but we're here for this stretch this stretch run. Let's get the administrative items out of the way. Uh, it has been some time, but if you are new to the Tribe Dive YouTube side, man, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, if you haven't done so, hit that like button as well. Uh, and, and we definitely appreciate y'all watching on that side. Same thing with the podcast side, audio side, man. If you are a first-time listener or if you just are tapping in again and you realize that you have not hit a rating and you have not done a review, we appreciate that as well, man. So we want to make sure that all those administrative items are taken care of. Hawk says number two is about to be ours once again. Are we going to be trading up for these for this number two pick right now? Hawk? You talk to me. Monty, what's going on with you, player? Um, Yes, sir. You see the ad. Let him run for a little bit. I appreciate you. Alter Ego. Hey man, look, by, by week, man. He said he needs some. He said, glad y'all back need some football healing dealing with this bam ass team. You know what's so crazy, bro? I was in I was in Vegas. Um, I want to say circa, right? 
And I was in there during the, during the game, uh, the, the Miami game. It was the last game they played. <laughs> uh, and them boys was down 31-7 at halftime, bro. When I tell you I couldn't have been more pleased to be in, in a place where there was other football games actively going on at that time, and I don't have to talk about this team right now, like – I, I felt like I was in heaven. Now I lost. I lost my parlays for today. I lost them. But you know what I'm saying. I hit a couple straight bets that day that made the that made the day not so bad. But to that point, man, it's, it was it's it's been a it's been a rough season. Um, you know, it's been some frustrations. I heard that Jamin Davis has just been on, been put on IR. Um, so he'll have season ending sur- shoulder surgery. Um, the way Ron and, and company moves, um, you know, you have to literally ask the question, what's the plan for a person like Jabril Cox? Um, you know, they love Jamin, uh, excuse me, Jamin Davis. They love David Mayo, um, Khalid Hudson, uh, not granted, he's not a Mike. Um, and I, and to be honest with you, I'm not even gonna lie to y'all, bro. As long as we have seen Jamin Davis play at this point of him going on IR, I don't know what Jamin Davis is to this team. Uh, but Cody Barton is around, so I'm probably sure he'll be he'll be he'll be the mic. Um, so you you kind of want to know what that means for certain people. And that's actually something. Let's kind of get into that part while I'm waiting on AJ and Dre and AJ. I, like I said, I know you're back there, but if you're if you're ready, you you talk to me. You let me know because I, I can't tell. Um, a matter of fact, somebody said they want to apologize to AJ. Let me put this on. The, let me put this on the screen right quick. Just wanted to apologize to AJ. He was right on house take. He's holding back this EB offense. Um, another thing, mind you, by the way, uh, if you haven't done so, check out the last. I did post a, a film breakdown last week, last Friday, on Terry McLaurin and the offense. So if you want to take a look at that, figure out what's going on, especially in that Miami game where he had zero catches and really one true target. Um, you can go ahead and take that, take a look at that when you get a chance. All right, so AJ says he's ready. All right, bet we got the gang and yeah, all three in here. Let me go ahead and bring them back up. And here we go. Boom. There it is. Fellas, man, welcome back. Welcome back. How y'all feeling, dog? Y'all good, man? Y'all y'all nice and refreshed, refreshed for this stretch, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we ready for these losses. That's what I'm ready for. <laughs> we yeah, on I mean, the hill. I mean, we on we on the road to number two. That that's what we looking forward to. Road to number two. Hey, yes, like, sir. Oh, yeah, man, number two about to be ours once again. Hopefully, we ain't got a trade for him, right? So we kind of see where that goes. Um, so I know that you were backstage. You said that you were ready, so I'm sure you heard what G said. Um, if you want to kind of uh acknowledge G and in, in his comment, you got the floor right quick, AJ. Um, we can kind of get to uh uh something uh actually wasn't on the topic list, but a brief conversation that we can kind of discuss, but uh, he said he wanted to apologize to you, man. He felt that you was right on house take. I mean, all I really got to say is uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. <laughs> 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 I mean, that that's about it, man. I, I just say for the fans, just enjoy the ride. Just hope for number two pick, the closer you get to possibly number one and, and maybe swapping with Chicago because Carolina is not going to be winning any games anytime soon so they will stay at that number one spot of chicago will have the benefit of being able to decide what they want to do either rock with justin fields or get more assets and if i were running the chicago bears i get as much assets as i can build around justin fields and also add to my defense i can get i can get two top five plays <laughs> 
with with where I'm sitting at at number one because I could also possibly lure a team into giving me one of their top players. Mind you, they got plenty of money too. It's crazy. Commanders, Bears got plenty of money. Um, like that's the one car. That's the one thing I try to remind people with these draft conversations is like, bro, like we be now. Granted, like that's the next highlight for people when it comes to like uh uh, uh the cycle of the NFL season. Uh, when the all season is like, this is who we need to get, right? And you go straight to the draft. You never know how free agency plays out. Now, granted, it's in the NFL, it's going to be people out there already doing scouting work, right? Like looking at who's going to be free agents, looking at these players, already have done the scouting reports, filed them in. Um, like I, I know a couple people that's coming out of free agency that I really like. A guy named Andrews Pete, right? He plays for New Orleans. That He's about to be 31 but the only the only kill with him outside of the, the age factor is the fact that you know he he gets he does get nicked up a lot. But that motherfucker is a that mother effort. I said it already. I suck. He's a dog. <laughs> and and like if you want somebody on the interior that's gonna shore something up, especially at that left side, I don't know what I don't know what scheme we're gonna end up running. Um, but he's a versatile guy. He can he can run gap scheme, he can run zone scheme. That's one person for sure. Now we need tackle. And and I don't know what that's going to look like in free agency, but to my overall point, man, you never know how free agency is going to play out. You can fill so many holes, essential holes, with veteran players, veteran leadership. You got to find them. That's going to be the scouting work that they got to do. But that's what I love about the NFL offseason. It's crazy that we're in week 13 or whatever we are, and I'm over here having a soliloquy about the offseason. That sucks. Let's get it. I'll go ahead. It's the norm. I was just gonna say, Maul. That's the norm. That's what we've become accustomed uh, to as Washington fans. So it is yeah. what it is. Hopefully, Harris will change the vibe around here, man. Because I do want to root for football in December. Yeah. Um. Let's go ahead and tap into one uh, item. Jamie Davis. Uh. He has been put on IR since we since the last time we've talked. Um. Actually, I think today or yesterday he's been put on IR. Um. And uh. The, the one thing that I briefly mentioned as the show started is um, given how Ron's tenure has been now, granted Jack Del Rio was a person who was on that side heavily as lot as well, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ron Rivera had a, had a, a, a hand to do with this. Uh, and, and that's me putting it lightly, but with, with Jamie Davis being put on IR and season ending shoulder surgery, right. You're, you're probably looking at um, more reps from David Mayo, and, and, and obviously Cody Barton doesn't even leave the field at this point, um, which is problematic, but it, that's whatever. We're at, we're at the end of the season anyway. Like, that is what it is. My thing is, and, and actually expanding this to a bigger conversation, right, um, this will be a perfect time to insert Jabril Cox on until your, your, your defensive side of the field. He's been playing special teams ever since he's been elevated. But um, this will be a perfect time to get us some defensive snaps. I think to this point in which we're talking, I don't think he's had any defensive snaps yet. But look, you're four and, four and nine. Um, and the Giants, mind you, have won three straight. After the conversations about or maybe even unconfirmed rumors about him, uh, Dayball being on the hot seat, which I, I would have loved for them to let him go. I think that would have been a mistake. Um, and I love Dayball. But point being, anyway, you're now in last place in the division. Um, you're not completely quitting on the season. You're not officially eliminated, but at the same from the playoffs. 
but we know that it's over. You got to start thinking about some players uh, from a, a contractual standpoint and from a youth standpoint who can really stand out from this core of, of young players that you didn't, you didn't brought in here, Ron. Um, and that looks like I'm, I'm thinking about guys like Mitchell Tinsley, Kaz, Kaz Allen. I'm thinking about, um, even though I don't even, I don't, I honestly don't like Curtis Hodges, but like, what are you going to do? Like, if you want some juice at tight end, like, do you want to give him a shot? He's been, the wildest thing is he's been active all season and has not played. He hasn't played a snap. So what is he doing on your 53? Like, he, he literally has wasted a spot on your roster this entire time. So I don't even understand that. Um, and, and, and you were looking at other people like, can Chris Rodriguez up his workload? Um, I don't know what the substitutions are going to look like, but I'm just, I'm just over here spitballing in terms of like ideas that you can run. You're already doing the defensive line in terms of KJ Henry, uh, Andre Jones, because, uh, you traded away two people. So you got to play these guys. But like other other areas in which some people can probably see some more snaps with Jamie Davis being gone, that kind of opens up the conversation. What do you all think? Uh, is there some other people that you all want to see just in terms of like what this can mean for uh, 2024? And, and if if they had some some gems that they could have been sleeping on. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it even matters. <laughs> Like, I mean, I just go ahead. No, I, I, I understand. I understand why we're doing the segment, but it's like this is a new regime that's going to be coming in, new coaching staff, new scouting department, new GM, everything. So, honestly, the only people they could be impressing is another team in the NFL because I think that a lot of these positions is going to get cleaned, they is going to get wiped out. I think um, that's fair. Some, some of them are contaminated, possibly. Um, they they got the bacteria. They got the they got the vid. They got the nineteen, and you gonna have to get rid of that within the organization. So it's like if anything, you just want to see if guys are gonna play hard for the sake of their name and also trying to, you know, keep their career afloat. Because this team is pretty young. There's not a lot of veteran presence within this organization, and that get to play on the Sunday, uh, Sunday in and Sunday out. These guys need to try to put their best effort on on film so that if they are released or moved from the Washington organization, another team can be interested in picking up their services. But honestly, whether Jabril Cox steps on the field, Tinsley, uh, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, uh, <laughs> The Rock, it, it don't matter. It's kind of – it's too late, you know. Uh, and I, I really think that's going to be hard for them to impress the, the next group that's coming up. I actually got one person. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with AJ in the sense that, you know, it might not matter for a lot of these guys on the team, but I don't think you're going to have 100% roster turnover. So one guy for me is Fedaria Mathis. I mean, this is a guy that we yeah. haven't seen have any production in the last two years. And then you're possibly talking about trading John Allen in the offseason. I mean, you, you, you've been hearing, you know, comments out of his own mouth. I mean, he said he's 100 percent thought about leaving, you know, so that's a that's a huge possibility that he could be a trade chip this uh, offseason. So you'd like to see what Fedarian Mattis can do. I mean, this guy was a second round pick. Obviously, the next regime that comes in won't have any ties to him. But at the same time, as I said, you won't have 100 percent roster turnover. So that's a guy you want to see. You know, does he show you anything? Because I, I do want to see him on the field a lot more. Um, you know, Jamin Davis, honestly, this was his third year in the NFL. And at best, I mean, it's, it's hard to say whether Jamin 
is a product of the scheme, whether they weren't using it right. Maybe they could have used him in a different type of role over his course. But at the same time, you look at him and you kind of just go, he's just a guy. You know, I, I, I think mm-hmm. you can safely say that after three years of him being in the NFL is that he's just a guy. And that's why one of the reasons why I'm kind of excited about this whole regime changing is maybe we're going to get some real players at linebacker. It feels like it's been so long since we watched a stud at linebacker in a Washington uniform. Ron and them just weren't. They, they had no urgency whatsoever to kind of upgrade or, you know, put something real or stable at that position. I mean, we were just putting guys out there and it was like, all right, you know, we're just going to put these guys out here. And they kept telling us that the linebacker position was devalued and, you know, we're going to be running two of these guys. But the two of the guys you were putting out there again, they were just guys. So, I mean, they that that whole position group may get wiped clean. So that's why I'm looking at a guy like a Fedarian Mathis. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the. Well, Forbes, we won't get to see him. I think he's out for the rest of the year. But Quan Martin, Quan Martin's a guy I do want to see some more of for the rest of the season. I mean, hopefully they're not putting them on team's best wide receivers, you know, and man-to-man coverage going forward. But, yeah, I would like to see him show something because these are the guys that are potentially going to be here after this year. Shout out to KV, man. 12 a.m. right now, but we locked in. Brother, I appreciate you checking in, big dog, uh, showing some love to Trevor Dive. Um... He also said Mathis got to get some serious run. So he, he wants to try and be competitive in that aspect. You mentioned John Allen, Dre. Let's kind of go ahead and dive right into that part. We'll, we'll talk about John first, about some of the veterans we've come to see over the past X amount of weeks show their frustrations. Um, I noticed, uh, I think, I don't know about you all, but when, I don't know, and I actually don't even remember what week this was now. But when John gave his his rant in the locker room where he was like, I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of losing seven years of the same bullshit. Like all of, all of those expletive field arguments or 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 like um, um, just a just a speech, like a, a, a vent, a venting session for him. Right. I think and I, I felt this from like a personal level, bro. Um. Like once you get that out your system, nothing else matters. Like I think that um, what he did that day, and this is based on where we are today. Like after seeing everything go down, I think what he did that day, all of the energy that he had towards giving it his all, not saying that he's quit from a competitive standpoint, but everything that he has done to give it his all left his body when he said what he said with the cameras and mics on them. So for him to say in that interview some weeks later, because these are two different, these are two different moments, but even still, if you observed them just casually talking after losses, even after losses, they get blown out. He's very calm. In, in his in his pressers, he's very calm in his post game conversations, and he's just saying, "Hey man, you know they wanted it more. We got our ass whooped, things like that. Like very calm, monotone, like even kill type deal, right?" And for him to say, "You know, I thought about. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought about leaving or things like that." Um, I understood him. I felt him. I also think that there were some problems with that. And I'll let y'all go and get y'all thoughts off. But like from a context standpoint, 
and under observing him over the past couple weeks, I think everything that he had left his body when he gave that uh when he vented to the media about him being tired of the seven years and stuff. I'll give y'all the floor in terms of what y'all think about um, you know, what's been going on with John Allen. I mean, I think everything runs its course. You know, when you have a guy like John Allen who has been pushed to the forefront of leadership or speaking on behalf of the team, um, I don't want to say the face of the franchise, but one of the more acknowledged players league-wide as far as his durability and, and what he brings to the table uh, as a Pro Bowl defensive tackle or a defensive stop, uh, stalwart on this on this team it's like everything runs its course bro like he's from the area um he went to high school down the street from ashburn uh facil- from the facility uh he knows all about the team he grew up around the team he knows the in and outs supposedly he said he was a fan of the team growing up you've now been here for seven years after leaving an organization like alabama which is run like an nfl team you're winning championships you're competing you're playing at the highest level and now you come here, you kind of bouncing around. You don't have anything consistent. At some point, you're going to get tired. And it's interesting because we had a conversation similar to this, like in one of our summer shows, where I kind of said the same thing about Terry McLaurin. You know, if this doesn't go well, at some point, guys are going to get frustrated. Guys are going to get tired. So you've heard John Allen make his comments. You heard Terry McLaurin say, you know, he got good cardio. Like, it's going to get real this offseason for them and their families and what decisions that they want to make. But the interesting part and and the difficulty with NFL versus NBA, you can't dictate your next move. So you could be frustrated in Washington with how you're losing and they ship you off to the best team that's, that's giving them the best offer. You could be a Chicago Bear. You feel me? Like, let's say if this draft order ends how it does at number four, and they want to end up moving up to number one to go get a Caleb Williams, you could easily get put in a package to move up to number one. So now you right back in the similar situation of, of a losing organization. Maybe you have more hope, uh, but at the end of the day, can money solve everything? For some guys, it can. I don't really think that that is the key with Jonathan Allen, as we've seen with his extension that he signed uh, about a, a year and a half or two years ago. He didn't even take the biggest opportunity, the biggest bag he could have got as a D tackle Payne is getting paid more to him and Payne hasn't had the same success as Allen. So for him, it seems like he just wants to win. He wants to be on an organization that's consistent and has the ability to contend. And I think, you know, the writing is on the wall for him. There's going to be a move at the, during the off season period where he gets sent to another organization. The sad part is he won't be able to call that shot. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big John Allen fan. I know that's not really a popular opinion around these parts these days. Like everyone wants to mock him and, you know, make fun oh, of his, <laughs> you know, they make fun nah, of him. Nah, know, bro. When he was doing his pregame speeches, bro, and clapping after every word, bro, like we finna do that to him today. I'm hey, not playing with y'all, bro. Like, nah, bro. That was yeah, I mean, it. I was like, yeah, it's, man. It's, it's the suburban. What, what uh, Kodak Black say? He's a suburban dude. I'm a suburban <laughs> dude. 
But, but look, 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 look. All, all that's saying, I mean, John Allen has been the closest player we've had to an all-pro on the defensive side of the football in a long time. I mean, he he gave it, he did give it his all here. And as AJ said, things run its course. You know, after a while, you get sick of it. I mean, a guy came from the Nick Saban program in Alabama where they don't lose, you know, and he probably didn't lose a high school either. He comes to the NFL and, you know, obviously he's playing for his hometown team. For years, he's been actually the one kind of positive in that locker room, you know, as far as like, hey, you know, I support the coaches. I support this. or I'm going to give it my all. You know, and he went out there and he gave it his all. I mean, the guy made two Pro Bowls. I mean, he's been in a conversation for one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL for the last few years. I mean, this year is a a down year. But again, I'm kind of with Maul in the sense that he probably – you know, gave his last bitter effort in that, you know, whole rant that he gave in that press conference. Like, this is it. You know, I'm I'm drained. I'm exhausted. You know, and that happens. You know, you keep losing. You get sick of losing. Look at what it's done to the fan base. Like, a lot of the fan base is gone. Like, some, some people aren't here with us mm-hmm. anymore discussing this team anymore. People got tired of the constant negativity, the constant embarrassment, the constant losing. So imagine how that feels for a player like John Allen, who's played for this. This is the only franchise he's played for in his NFL career you know so this is all he pretty much knows as a professional is losing an embarrassment you know so you get tired so you know like I said it may be funny to a lot of people they may mock him as far as you know the cursing and the do-rags and everything he's doing in the press conferences but that's a guy that's fed up and I do think a change of scenery may be best for him I mean I don't know how many more good years that John Allen has left in his league and actually I remember around the draft when we first drafted him one of the reasons he fell in the draft was I think People thought he had some kind of uh, deteriorating shoulder issue. Yeah, it was something where they said at some point, you know, that's going to, you know, be the end of his career. I don't know how long his career will be. But anyway, who knows how many more good years he has. But he may still have some more in him. You know, he he may do good somewhere else. But I do think that things have run his course here. And I don't blame him. Like I said, I mean, you get tired of losing. I mean, he's only one man. You know, I mean, he he can't play every other position. He can't go out there and win games by himself. So he's sick of, you know, everything that's kind of surrounded this franchise. And like I said, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> what do we think about Terry, man? What do you think his source of frustration is? Um, he, he said after the Miami game, like AJ alluded to, man, just running a whole bunch of cardio. Um, I do find it interesting that uh, Terry – Ron acknowledged some point after the game that Terry does have communication with the enemy um, and that, you know, Terry, matter of fact, oh, Dre, you pose, I was trying to figure who posed the question. Like Dre had posed the question. Like if, if, if like, I don't know where your question stemmed from, but I saw it and, and he asked the question if Terry is soft. And like, I think the, the person who's trying to problem solve and, and try to come to an understanding or even make his, his situation or feelings known um, in a professional manner. Uh, that's far from soft. And and I think Terry having these conversations with, with the enemy um, is enlightening to hear from Ron. Um, I, I'm sure he said it before. I don't know if he said it in the regular season, but um, like for him to acknowledge that they've had conversations um, is important. Um, I think the other end of that is like, what was the result of those conversations and how did it impact the game plan or how did it impact play calling? Because um, for Ron to say that he's had conversations with him and you talking about a day where he, where, where Terry only had one true target, like he had three total 
but two of them were bullshit. And one of them was the the, the other one was the deep shot in the end zone. Um, what do you all think Terry's source of frustration is to say what he said at the end of this at the end of the game? I mean, it could be kind of obvious, but also like let's peel back the layers of that one. But Maul, let me ask you because I didn't even really watch the Miami and Washington game, uh, but I seen some of the clippings you posted, Mark Bullock, whatever. It seemed like opportunities were there for Terry, and also specific plays were called for Terry. At the end of the day, Sam Howell got to throw the ball to him, and I think we all on this panel can sit here and, and agree that Terry' best thing that he does is a fifty-fifty ball type guy, and Sam ain't really giving him those fair chances. Like we keeping in the buck. He's not really giving him those shots. He's not giving him those looks. So I don't even know if it's really an EB thing. It's just more so young quarterback, once again, going through the cycle of another quarterback and, and just having to deal with the motions. So, I think – oh, um, now I was yeah. going to say, I think Terry is too passive, bro. Um, I think even what he said, just running a whole bunch of cardio and, and what – like that's – that in itself is is passive, like – the the and, and the reason why I mentioned the conversation with EB, not necessarily blaming EB. Um, I, I know there's some people actually who, who who have done that. Um, but like Terry literally is like that contested catch guy. Like he's an explosive player, right? But he's not necessarily going to doubt you up with doubt you up with his routes. Um, he runs a lot of things at full speed, which is what makes him most effective, like on that second and third level, right? Um, and and or I mean, shoot, excuse me, excuse me. First and third, because that's a, like he plays the the slants perfectly well. Um, but but I think that's kind of what what is important when you look at Terry's game. Um, but I also think that there's there's other there's other factors. Um, I do think the receivers play a part in it too. I don't think this this situation when it comes to receivers. What I mean by that is like spacing. What I mean by that is like route depth, like and and spacing in your routes and your stems but also your the depth of your routes um but also even your splits um i think that's important now specifics of the splits uh it's kind of hard to explain it's like an eye thing like when you see something is off like based on the route that they're taking or if you see that they're too close like terry a couple times tripped over Jahan dotson um on his on his uh on some of his routes against miami um, something as simple as that can give you the indication that Terry did something wrong. And Terry's not supposed to be as close as he was to Jahan if he's taking a certain type of release, right? And and to that point, and the reason why I bring that to light is that as much as we talk about how and even the enemy, we have to dig deeper, especially if you if, if there's people out there who watch the games back or even watch the film, like that is also another aspect that we don't know the level to which it's bad from the receiver standpoint. Like you can see it, but like how bad is it if you're watching it in detail, especially if you're like the raw receivers coach and you're trying to correct something or even Eric B enemy and you're trying to correct something. Uh, but to AJ's point and the reason why you brought that up. Yeah. There are some instances where how even in the film breakdown that I put on, on the YouTube channel, like there's like two plays particularly where how was late on making the throw or he didn't step up in the pocket which as a result of him not stepping up in the pocket in time invited more pressure uh and, and made a, 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 a what could have been a good play bad um like the, the the Terry throw where like you see him just throw up a, a fucking prayer in the end zone right and Terry has to play defense against three three defenders 
Like, that's a play where Terry, he put Xavier Howard on his ass, breaking in on the dig route. And he's open off rip. And how can't throw it to him? Because he's stepping back in the pocket at the top of his drop as opposed to stepping up. And if you just step up and make a, a, a clean read and a clean throw, you, you're probably looking at a touchdown. So to that point and what AJ said, yeah, there's some instances where the quarterback is making some mistakes. Um, offensive line plays a part. And then also you look at the receivers, bro. Like they need to – they got to – I mean, you got four games left. So, like, when I say you got to do something, I, I don't even think it even matters anymore. Like you got four games left. You couldn't get it right for the first 13. Um, you just you just got issues on so many different levels. And I don't know to what degree the receivers is a huge problem, but like there are some problems there too that we don't talk about it enough, maybe because we don't all see it, but it's is there. Yeah, I mean, and for me, you know, the whole Terry thing, um, you know, and, and Maul, you you brought up about the tweet that I posed about him being soft or asking if he was soft. Reason why I asked that is because you know there was a report that came out on ESPN about a week ago, um, that big huge report. And Eric Bieniemy was the, one of the topics of that report. And one of those topics was, you know, uh, players complaining about their time not being respected or whatever the case may be. But anyway, it's been kind of an ongoing thing since training camp um, because there's been reports about some of the players grumbling about Eric Bieniemy in training camp. And with Eric Bieniemy, a lot of fans have taken this stance that our players must be soft and they can't, you know, they don't like hard coaching. And you know, all right. EB, he coaches the offensive players, right? So if you're saying that, you know, the players that are soft, you're including the whole offense, right? I mean, you're including all of these guys. No one says, hey, everyone's soft except Terry. <laughs> they just say, hey, these players are soft and they can't take coaching. And one of the things we've actually been hearing since training camp is Terry having little, small little things with Eric Bieniemy. And one of those stories in the report about, Eric Bieniemy and Terry kind of get it into it a bit at training camp over a plate at Ben St. Juice, a dirty plate. And, you know, Eric Bieniemy's cursing Terry out. Terry goes back at him. And then you hear the little subtle reports that certain players are not liking certain things about Eric Bieniemy. So you have to kind of surmise, at least I surmise that one of those players that have an issue with Eric Bieniemy is Terry McLaurin. I think that's a fair, you know, kind of conclusion to draw from that. So, do you think who was pause for a second? Who was I, I know yeah. you was on you was yeah, on fire no, right now. No, ahead, but who was ahead, the who was the guy that Linnell said? Um he, he had said last time he was on that he, he I think revealed. that was Logan, Logan, Logan Thomas, Thomas that had some kind of issue. But in this case, um, you know, they said Terry and Eric Eric me gotten kind of a shouting match in training camp. But anyway, I mean, then you hear the comments like Terry's I'm running cardio. That's subtle. And Maul, you are 100 percent right. That's a passive aggressive way of saying. I don't like the shit that's going on in his office. I'm not involved, whatever. You know, it, it is passive, but you have to assume that he does not like his role in his office. He made comments earlier in the year saying that um, he he just wasn't comfortable in some spots in his office. You know, when they were asked about his lack of production earlier, he made a subtle comment then that, you know, you got the notion that he's not comfortable. He doesn't really like what's going on in his office. And then later in the season, you're still seeing these same issues. So I posed that question to kind of see if fans would, you know, jump on the boat. So yeah, Terry is soft. Then I had fans actually coming and telling me, no, 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 no. It's everyone else. It's not Terry. Terry's not soft. It's just everyone else. Yeah, I did everyone have people else. telling me. That. Yeah. Oh, you know? Leno, Leno and Logan, I think is okay. 
play, so maybe Leno. Yeah, yeah, Leno. Yeah, no. Um, a lot of people I think assume Leno as well because Leno is a family man, and you know they're talking about Eric not respecting guys' times, and you could kind of you know draw a fair conclusion that Leno may be one of the guys. I got three keys, man. Yeah, you know, so you know, he got a whole family, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, Logan got seven kids. I don't know how many kids Logan got, but he has a lot of them. But um, I mean, yeah. So with, with Terry, it's a combination of everything, right? I mean, you can't just say you know it's all Eric Bieniemy. You can't say it's all Sam Howell, but I do think two of those guys do play a role in it, and I do think Terry, you know. But AJ said it, Terry. You give him a 50, 50 ball, he goes after it. He chases it, even when he's not open. He can still make plays. I don't think Howell is comfortable making those type of throws. Um, you know, I, I think he's kind of scared to make that mistake in a sense. And my issue with EB is I don't think EB really kind of dows it up for anyone in the office in particular. Like we, we don't really see the bubble screens. We don't really see a lot of the quick crossers and, you know, the slants and stuff like that to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. So I do think it's a combination of everything. And, and that's where the frustration is drawn from. I mean, Terry McLaurin has put up production with some of the worst quarterbacks that we've seen here in Washington, you know, then this one year where everyone says he has a much better quarterback, his production is down. Now people are looking it's at so Terry crazy. saying, yeah, you know, people are looking at Terry and they're questioning if he's watching. You know, these players see or hear these things, even though they try to tell you they block these things out. They see the noise. They hear the noise. And Terry is used to being the man here. You know, even I, I liken it to this. In a sea of shit, Terry is shy. You know, so now <laughs> it's a sea of shit and he's not shining. And now people are lumping him in that shit. You know, <laughs> that's just the reality of the situation. And I feel bad about it, but I don't think that this should be an indictment, so to speak, on Terry. I do think he's got a lot more good football left in him. But it's frustrating when you're, you, you know, you're having a down year, you're losing. And Terry is always so positive. You know, he's always, you know, just been the ultimate professional. And now you're seeing him kind of crack and crumble a bit, kind of like John Allen's been doing. Like <laughs> He's like, and he's been the face of the offense for years. John Allen's been the face of the defense. People are exhausted, man. They are. Um, everybody's mad, man. Um, I think I remember uh, even AG, AG. It was it was Gibson um, and another player. Maybe maybe it was John Allen where you know they were talking about that development and culture thing. How they were just sick of it, um, and like nobody's trying to hear that post game. And and then Ron come out a day later in his pressure talking about man, we're we're tired of we're tired of culture, we're tired of development, man. It's it's go time, bruh. I'm like, bro, you like when you change your tune all of a sudden, Brett talking about with something is all of a sudden you got people and players in the media talking about something, and now you want to change your tune. Uh, that brings me up to, to Montez Sweat conversation. Uh, Montez Sweat said post game locker room after his Bears game, um, his recent Bears game, they, they just beat the Detroit Lions. Um, players here are oh, damn, that's my own words, but it basically said that players. The players in in the Chicago Bears locker room are still playing for their coach. Um, the locker room is still intact. Ibraflu still has the locker room still intact, and he and he essentially says that wasn't like that in Washington. Um, for those who weren't able to hear the quote or wasn't privy to it, you know this was on Chicago Bears website. You can you can actually find it. It's still up there now, where he just compared the current situation in Chicago to how he experienced or what he experienced in Washington's locker room. Uh, presumably before he left um, because the last two seasons they were in the playoff race up until they weren't 
in de- at some point in December. Um, so Montez would have lose that, you know, people in the locker room here in Washington were just waiting for the season to be over. Um, and he said that part out of his mouth verbatim, like they were just waiting for the season to be over. He got traded at the deadline. Um, fellas, uh, if there's any other indictment, I don't want to like draw no huge conclusions with a statement like that. I, he's fresh off a win. He's excited. I'm sure he made an impact. Um, I, I was watching their game sporadically, so I don't know too much of what he, of what he did, even though I did have the Bears plus three, and they helped me with my parlay. Shout out to y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um, I, I mess with y'all forever, man. We locked in boys for life, all that good stuff. Um, but I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hey man, we need a we need a one eight hundred gambling hotline ticket. Oh, dog. No, no need that. Not no, when you win. Not when you win, man. <laughs> not when you win. Um, but but to that point, and, and what I'm saying that though, uh, I for him to get traded at the deadline, which was about six weeks ago, and him allude to the fact that this year he felt that some players were just waiting for the season to be over. Like, bro, that's before we even knew. I mean, some of us had, some of us knew, some of us felt it, but that's before we officially knew how bad it was going to be. Like, we didn't know how bad it was going to get six, seven weeks ago. Like, it's gotten worse. Like, this is probably one of the worst seasons we've endured, even with Snyder being around. Like, that's how bad it is. And for him to say that then is an indication of like how a house of cards. That's like, like there's just a matter of time till everything gets revealed and you're going to find it in different sources. And Montez Sweat felt comfortable enough to say that to the Chicago media because he's not in Washington. He doesn't have to answer to Washington. Right. But you're in Chicago and you're talking about how good you feel. We need to take away from what Montez said over here and figure out like who all his, I mean, even if it matters, I mean, even if it doesn't matter, but like who quits with that much time left in the season? Like, did they all think, what the fans saw in that, like, yeah, this season ain't going nowhere. Or was it a moment in the season that told them, yeah, bro, like after this season, bro, I can only imagine it was a Chicago game where they put up 40 on them boys in Thursday night. I think, I think it happened way before that. I feel like the same way. Yeah, go ahead. The same way we sit, sit around and try to predict uh, games in weekend, week out, or projections of how they're going to do for the season, players doing the exact same, and they're getting the best forecast that anyone can get. They hands-on with it. they seeing what's going on in practice behind closed doors when the reporter's not there. they seeing what's happening in these meetings with the game plan, when the game plan is implemented, what the scout team is running, uh, what the D-line coach is. They got, they got their boys on the team, so these position groups is talking. They already know what it is. When you barely – beating out Arizona Cardinals or the Denver Broncos and what Washington's record is four and nine right now. They won two mm-hmm. games in September and have only won two games since. And we're almost, it's almost Christmas, bro. Like, <laughs> like you, you already know what it is. So you need the right type of coaching staff to keep you engaged, to keep you motivated and have you not thinking about where am I going during my bye week What am I doing this off season with my girlfriend, my wife, or, my 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 joints that I got out here. You feel me? Like, if you don't have that type of person in the locker room that can conduct those things and, and keep guys motivated, this is the result of it. So even though he's been in Chicago for a limited time, those boys still playing. Like, like they got something on the line. And 
that just speaks volumes of how Matt Uberfuss and his uh, coaching staff have rallied and kept, kept the guys engaged because that Thursday night game against Washington, Matt Uberfuss uh, family had their U-Haul appointment for Friday, you know, to, to set stone to wherever they reside on a regular basis. But, you know, that win kept him in play for his job and they've continued to put together some good games, even pulled away some victories. They beat the top team in the division over the weekend, Detroit Lions, convincingly. It wasn't even like it was that much of a close game. And mm-hmm. whereas in Washington, you getting blown out week to week, <laughs> like back-to-back weeks, and it's been losing since Montez has been departed, and yet fans want to worry about what Montez and Chase Young doing with their new teams. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just reality, man. You know if you got a team, you know if you got a group of men that can – get to the next level and win and, and truly compete. And when that – like I just said with Jonathan Allen and Terry McLaurin, like at some point things run its course. You can't keep coming to the media and also what you're saying to people be, uh, behind closed doors as Ron Rivera, like develop and all these different words. If nothing is changing, it's been four years, bro, it's not going to change. So you pretty much kind of give up and – Montez is also in a new situation where he's got paid. He don't have to, you know, walk on uh, walk on thin ice with his words. He can now freely say what he wants to say. Even in the video that I watched of that clipping of what he said, that boy looked happy as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't never mm-hmm. seen him do like an engaging interview like that in his tenureship in Washington. And, and one thing yeah. right quick, the, the game, I, I had mentioned the Bears game. I forgot about the game before that. Um, a couple of games before that, it was I think it was the Detroit, the the, the Buffalo game. Um, like comparing it or calling it a litmus test um, to see how you stack up against some of the best, and you only score three points and you lose by thirty five. Um, I think that was one of the more most deflating things, and and I can only imagine for you to lose by that much, um, and also have like some of the issues that you had in that game. I can only imagine what it felt like in the locker room or even the week leading up to the game where the output uh, was very disencouraging um, in terms of like what you can expect for this season. Um, so I, I didn't mean Chicago, but that's kind of my point. I think the turning point or, or maybe the realization, not a turning point because it's whatever the realization probably came a couple of weeks earlier against the, the Buffalo Bills, even though they had a couple of good games after that. I don't I don't think that mean I don't think that meant anything. You knew the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, what can you really what can you really do? Like you, you know them like the back of your hand. You're gonna compete against them. Um, and then you get embarrassed by the Giants, but point being Buffalo Bills with that litmus test and they feel miserably. I think that's what really changed things um for some people. And even Montez Sweat looking at his locker room and seeing that, oh, y'all not serious. <laughs> y'all not serious at all. I don't know if you had any thoughts on. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think it's honestly just simpler than that. I mean, you know, I, I watch sports, I watch basketball, baseball, football, and I'm a firm believer in that teams take on the identity of their coach. And I think Ron Rivera checked out a long time ago. I mean, and and you can see it pour down. Players know when the coaches stop kind of caring or stop having the same level of intensity or the same level of passion. Now, I don't think Ron's intensity level was always super high here. I mean, for multiple reasons. I mean, the dude went through cancer. I mean, you know, he, he went through a lot here, but he, he it was higher, at, you know, bit more 
the first three years of his tenure, it, the intensity level was higher, even though during games you didn't see a lot of emotion. But when they will win games, you know, he's fired up. Even when they will lose games, he gets fired up. That fire has been gone because I think Ron and his staff has seen the writing on the wall. I don't know if Josh Harris has kind of already had a silent conversation with them. Or they just kind of knew what's up because Ron has been through this before. This isn't the first time he's went through a new ownership transition. And you just kind of see it with the players. I mean, the defense is last in the NFL this year. Now, the defense has been a disappointment throughout most of Ron's tenure. But at this point, everyone just looked like they gave up. And then you look at Ron in the sense that you feel like he's given up too. I mean, he checked out too because he knows he's out of here. And those players are pretty much taking on that identity of the coaching staff. I mean, Jack Del Rio, all of those guys. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to add Eric Bieniemy, and I'm just going to speak specifically on the defensive coaches and Ron, so to speak. But, I mean, no one looks like they're playing with any kind of passion, any kind of fire out there because they're not playing for anyone. You know, not, they're not playing for each other. They're not playing for the coaches that everyone – and I, I, I fully believe Montez Sweat – Everyone on this team, pretty much, especially on the defensive side of the football, they're looking towards the offseason right now. I mean, you could just see it in the play. I mean, there, there's no pride out there. I mean, they're getting blown out and smashed to pieces by, by teams. I mean, they're losing to the Giants. I mean, getting swept by the Giants. I mean, the Giants offense is looking better than yours. They're dominating your defense. You know, so, I mean, those guys are taking on the identity of the coaching staff. I mean, even a mediocre uh, talented defense, you can get something out of them. They're getting nothing out of these guys. And to me, that's a total indictment on coaching. Fellas, um, what is what also what our world says? He says, um, rep just called me about power knowing his membership, man. He got crickets. Uh, G said, Ron hoped to another year was how when how when he saw how wasn't better than Taylor Heineke. <laughs> When he saw how it wasn't better than Taylor Heineke, he gave up. <laughs> hey, bro. hey, let's let's close out with the Heineke. Uh, the, the, I said the Heineke, the Howe conversation. Um, can Sam Howe show us anything over these last four games uh, to build around him this offseason? Um, Dre, I'm going to give you the floor first. This was your topic. Uh, what do you think uh, about these last four games and what he can show anyone? So I'm answering this this way. Do I think he could show us anything that will say we don't have to upgrade this position? No. I mean, and part of that is the the schedule that we're playing. I, I mean, we're, we got a pretty tough schedule to games <laughs> <laughs> defensively. But I, I, for, I love this, Dre. I love this. What what is today? December. 12. December twelfth. I love the this, December twelfth. Hey, <laughs> December is. I've seen everything. that I'm a comment how I see it. I, Look, September is hope. I'm is that's hopeful, Dre. December see, and, is, and that's the thing. Like we're, AJ skips. AJ skips parts of the process. Like he's his mind is already whatever. Whether it's good or bad, it's, right? His, his mind is made up. Dre has literally went through week one through week what fourteen. Yeah, and, and has made his decision. Whatever it is, go ahead. Right. Yeah, I mean, so. Like I said, I don't think he can because of what we have facing. And I think in order for Sam to kind of cement himself as that starter, first off, he got to play us out of a top five pick. If he plays us out of a top five pick, that means he's doing something right. And we're not in prime position to draft somebody with a much higher ceiling than him. So, I mean, and then maybe you're talking about his ceiling in a different light. If he finishes or closes these four games out on fire, you know, or he has like this kind of stretch that uh, even a Jake Browning or a, um 
Jordan Love has been having, uh, you know, before last night's game. But those guys have been getting better as the season goes on late in the season. Now, if Sam can kind of give you that, you know, where he's out there not throwing any picks, he's not taking too many sacks, he's throwing touchdowns, he's having great games, and he's beating the Jets defense. You know, that's a tough defense. He's beating the Cowboys. He's beating the 49ers. You the know, worst the Rams- defense that they got on the rest of their schedule right now, Dre, I think they're like 15th or 16th, 14th overall, and that's the, the Rams. Yeah, and that's what I mean. So this is a tall order for him. So if he can't go out there and do exactly what I just said he could do, we're picking most likely top three or four at this point. At this point, you're talking about one of the top three quarterbacks in his draft in a strong quarterback class. Well, at least he's strong at the top. So at this point, Sam hasn't done enough. I mean, to this point in the season, he has not done enough to say you have to go into next season and just build around him. First of all, if you're getting a new GM in here, you're getting a new regime, you're getting everything new. You you want your own guy more more than likely than that. Unless there's a guy that has you know kind of solidified himself in his league. Sam hasn't solidified himself in his league. Sam had a good stretch of games. That was that 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 Eagles stretch, the Patriots and the Seahawks game. Those were a good stretch of games. Last three games, one touchdown, five interceptions, and he's thrown three pick sixes in three straight games. That's not a good stretch of games. And, hey, Dre, real yeah. quick. Can we even count the Eagles game? I feel like the Eagles got At this point, it's looking bad. At this point, it's not making him look good. I actually had that conversation yesterday with someone, AJ. At this point, those Eagles games look a little watered down for Sam. And I hate to kind of diminish that for him because, I mean, he still went out Being there. real, more information. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you right. Yeah, but the thing is, I just don't think he's shown enough consistently to this point to say you just got to give him an offensive line because, you know, a lot uh, – and it's, it's hard to have this conversation. I've actually been in like a week-long debate on Twitter with guys telling me all he needs is just an offensive line. You just have to believe in him. He's the guy. And I'm like, well, he hasn't proven himself to be the guy because he hasn't done it consistently yet. And on top of that, we are going to be picking top four. The last time we were picking top four, we picked number two in a draft when we didn't have a solidified quarterback in the roster. New regime, Ron Rivera them pretty much had the appease to the owner, and they had to go into the season with Dwayne Haskins, even though there was a Tua on the board, even though there was a Justin Herbert on the board. I know Justin Herbert got caught a little bit of slack around that draft, but at the same time, he was still talked about as a high prospect. They passed on those guys because they felt like, oh, we just maybe we'll just build around Wayne Haskins. And you saw how that kind of set Ron Rivera's whole tenure back. Now, you got to think the new guys that come in here, if they just decide, yeah, we're going to roll with Sam Howell, even though we're still unsure about the guy, he hasn't solidified himself, we'll just give him a year to prove it. Let's say I'm 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 just going to throw out a scenario out here. Let's say that, that let's say that is their scenario. You know what the information that we have on hand about Sam Howell. They go into next season, they build around Sam Howell, they put the offense on line, you know, they draft, you know, receivers, sign a receiver, whatever. You're building around Sam Howell, and then he's still showing those same issues outside of everything else. And then you just wasted a year in the new regime's rebuild. And on top of that, you're entering a very weak quarterback class that you don't even know if you'll be picking high in. So that's the type of stuff that, you know, you have to, you know, the the next regime, they're going to have to think of. They're going to have to take all of this into consideration. And me personally, I just don't see this. Sam hasn't shown me enough to say, 
I want to take that risk on him. And on, and then you also have to weigh the money in, 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 in the factor. Sam Howe has two more years under Brown control, whereas a rookie quarterback, you'll have pretty much four to five years under your control. So that those are things that people have to kind of think about. Now, that that's fine if Sam Howe has shown you enough. You can say, all right, well, we may be paying this guy, but he hasn't shown you anything to say we're going to be paying this guy beyond this year. And that can set the franchise back. So you have to do your due diligence and you have to explore all options and i just think some people aren't being fair about this situation with sam Howell. i'm about to say i don't know standing ovation standing ovation (laughs) december 12th dre dc sports dre shout out to that guy merry christmas aj (laughs) (laughs) happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving man but yeah i mean nah dre is right with everything man i i just feel like people aren't understanding the process. I mean, essentially after next season, you have to start having contract negotiations with that quarterback, you know, regardless if he plays top notch or or whatever the case, you're still going to have to have those conversations. Why not go get your own guy? And the reality is you hope to never even be in a situation where you're at a top five to even draft again. You don't want that to happen next year because if it happens next year, then something's completely off. You possibly even made the wrong hire at head coach and GM. Um, you want to improve off of that. So, yeah, I think all options are on the table for everyone, whether you have a long-term contract in play, uh, you've been a staple on the team, uh, Allen, uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, the only person I feel like is safe just because of how contracts work is Deron Payne. But outside of that, anybody could be gone. And anybody could be included in the trade package if they determine who they want. Because reality is, even though you have $90 million plus to spend in free agency, how are you going to lower in free agents? If you don't make a move to show that you plan on getting a Caleb Williams, a possible Jalen Daniels or Drake May, if you don't show that to free agents, they're going to be reluctant to come in. I I think um, to both y'all's point with how, man, um, I'll answer the question directly over these last four uh, if if you want to build around him this offseason, um, Dre alluded to it. Like you, you really gotta like you gotta elevate the offense around you. Um, and when I mean elevate, given the circumstances, uh, when I mean elevate, I'm talking about like you're you're keeping these games within one possession. You're talking about having a drive at one point in the fourth quarter to take the lead or tie the game up um or even win it like i'm talking about from a player like from a fan perspective lose all the games you lose i i I, like that doesn't bother me um but from a a player perspective they're trying to win i don't have a problem with them trying to win um but being a position where you're trying to you're about to win the game um and i think for sam in that light being able to show that you can overcome your circumstances your surroundings i think that is important for talent evaluators, just knowing that they can build around that. From a strength standpoint, I think that how does possess possess some traits that you can build around. Um, I think that I think that Sam does have the arm talent. Um, I think that he can throw from crazy angles um, and deliver accurate passes. Um, I think that he can do that uh, from a clean pocket. I think that he can do that from a, a pocket when he's under duress. Um, I, I think that. 
uh, Sam has the elusive ability from a standpoint of being able to get you five yards uh, when you need two or get you 12 yards when you need when you need three. Um, he's creative from that standpoint. He's unorthodox, but it works um, in terms of like how he runs. Uh, he's 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 a stout quarterback that you that, you know, like from 12 or 13 games in. At this point, um, fingers crossed, knock on wood. But you know that he's durable. Like he's taken a beating, and he's gotten back up every every goddamn time and said that I'm still here to compete. Uh, and even if I'm frustrated, ain't nobody at t- on on the TV going to know that I'm frustrated. Like I've never seen that dude. Uh, like outside of being excited that he made a play or super happy that somebody made a play, I've never seen him frustrated. Like to the point where like he's pouting on his face. Like I've seen him disappointed. But like all these these pros in terms of like what you can build around. Now that's one thing. Like we know the cons. I've said them all the time, plenty of times. Um, and then one of the things that really bothers me, uh, granted, like it's not a huge sample size, but like, bro, one of your biggest traits was the deep ball. Like, do you know how explosive this offense, this offense could have been if you controlled like when the when the when the moments were within your control? If you hit on those deep passes, and, ball, and I ball. think. What's his longest air yard pass this year? Bro, probably like thirty yards. Wow. And and I can and I can literally even if I'm, um, even if uh that exact wasn't that, I think that was the wrong, Denver the that Terry was the Denver touchdown, touchdown to Terry. Yeah. Either the Denver touchdown to Terry or the Seattle sidelines where Terry caught a couple fade passes when they finally started converting. Their, no, that was the Giants game. They finally started converting in the second half their go routes. Um, and, and attacking the sidelines. So yeah, it was probably the Denver game or the or the, the Giants game, where the AR yards was over was around thirty. Um, and, and to that point, like, uh, bro, like for 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 you to, like, if this offense can be so explosive, like it's on the back of Sam, and 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 Dre mentioned something. I don't know if AJ said it as well. Um, but Dre definitely mentioned slight to the idea, like you, people want to see what this guy looks like with a clean offensive line and, and things like that. Now I'm interested as well. And, and I think if, if, if everything was equal, he would earn, he, he would earn another shot next year with a, a, a team that would invest more into the offensive side of the football. But here's the deal. Life ain't fair. And his situation ain't fair. Like let's acknowledge that it's not fair. And that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, because it's it's not fair that he earned a shot to do something else. Like this was his one moment to show that he can, like, be uh, 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 bulletproof to the deficiencies of an offense that you knew you was walking into, whether right or wrong. Like, show us something that that can that we can say that we can build around. And at this point, like. He's too inconsistent still. And it's not about him being a rookie or like people say he's in his 13th game. It's actually so crazy. Side note, by the way, that people, people have said season long, bro, he's in his, he's in his fourth game. How can you say this about this guy? Like, let him, let him play a season out first, bro. He's in his eighth game of his professional career. How can you say that about him? Let him play the season out first. Bro, he's in his 13th game. How can you say that about him? 
let him have a full season under his belt. Like the it's it's every single week when you have something to say about Sam when you're thinking critically about the position that they want to tell you he's only played X amount of games. Like you can't say that every week. You have to face reality. And the reality is Washington is in a position where the general manager that will be coming in has to make a decision on Sam this year. This offseason, he has to make a decision on Sam. Do you go for your top five or, or, or first round prospect because you know that I would much rather bring in a guy that I can pair with my new head coach for X amount of years? Or do I take that risk for a person who, even if I build around him, because they, they always said he needed help, he needed that offensive line, um, and, and these are things that I don't disagree with. Uh, he needed his offensive line. Uh, he needed a better tight end. Uh, he needed a defense who could help him out. What if he got all those things and he didn't improve and he was the same inconsistent person? That's a risk, too. Like, I, I outlined, I took the time to tell you the things that I thought he did well that you can carry on to a new regime. But that don't mean I'm 110% sold. And that's unfortunate because I like Sam and I really do. And and I just think that like if you got to be real, bro, uh, in four games to, to round it out and, and finish, like what can he do these last four games, bro? He has to do the extraordinary. Um, and it's not fair to him, it's not fair to his situation. But you know, you enter in a situ- you enter in a, a, a role like if all things were different, if things were different, I would gladly give him a second year. But this ain't that. Like, this is something different, bro. It's different. I mean, we look, I've watched Drew Brees get replaced. I mean, even though he had some issues early on in his Chargers career, you know, but his last Chargers, um, his last season as a Charger, he was pretty damn good that season. But the Chargers was like, well, hey, we're moving on. I mean, and that's the that's just the reality at the face. If they feel like if your GM feels like he can grab that higher ceiling guy at the most important position they're going to go they're going to shoot for that you know i know some people say hey well you know the draft is a crap shoot the quarterbacks are a draft shoot uh, are a crap shoot but the fact of the matter is people will rather lose with their guys than someone else's guy and sam is someone else's guy now we wouldn't be have this is the only scenario we wouldn't be having this conversation in as if ron rivera and his staff was coming back next year they would ha- they would be invested oh, yeah. in sam yes they yeah. they would be invested in sam he will be the quarterback next year no question. And I know a lot of people keep saying, well, if he was a round one quarterback, it'd be different. No, it wouldn't be different in my opinion. We, we still be having the same conversation right now. If under the same circumstances that Washington is in right now, where again, you have a top five draft pick coming out and you still are unsure about Sam, no one in there right now, even, even most of the uh, most rational fans can sit up here and say they know for certain that Sam is a guy at the quarterback. Now people have already kind of jumped out there in the spectrum that love Sam how they think he's the guy they've seen enough like they don't need to see anymore they've seen three good games and that's it he's good he's great you know they, they don't need, need anything, anything else but rational fans and general managers they don't view the quarterback position through the lens of a washington commanders fan washington commanders fan their lens is we've sucked the quarterback so long that we have a guy now that doesn't throw up on himself he's the guy GM's not coming in with that same perspective. They're going to evaluate every pro, every con. And like I said, there is a scenario where we can walk back in here with Sam 
as the quarterback next year. Now, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be angry if Sam is the quarterback next year. You know, I, I'll just have to, you know, evaluate how they move the offseason, and we'll, we'll give him a chance. We'll go from there. But I do I do not think that he has shown enough to tell you that you, have, you cannot upgrade at this position or even explore the possibility. Hey, man, um, I 100% agree. Uh, and we're going to do a cliffhanger. I don't think I've ever done a cliffhanger before on this podcast, but we're going to do a cliffhanger, man. Um, again, appreciate everybody who's tapped in live. Uh, welcome back. We're all off the bye week. Um, appreciate everybody who's checked in. KV, man, I'm, I'm sure an hour has passed, so I know it's 1 a.m. your time. Um, but appreciate you sticking it through, thugging it out. Um, he said that his deepest completion was in Dallas game week 18 last year. So I wonder if that was over 30 yards. Um, and G's made up a group. That was like 60, point. I think. No, no, hell no. Hell no. Hell no. no. He ain't throwing the no one to Terry? No, the middle of the one to Terry. What, what was it, 50? Or? Not like 30. No, the, no, you talking about the one against the Cowboys last yeah, year. Yeah, against the Cowboys last year. Yeah, no, that, no like, you got to check that one. That was. I'm, no, that I'm, checking, was I'm, checking, I'm checking right now. Yeah. I'm checking right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, hold on. Here yeah, I want to say that was like 60. Oh, it was 50. Yeah, I knew it was a long one. <laughs> I thought that jump was like 30. I was like, damn. Yeah, his longest completion of his career last year. And and Scott Turner's offense. <laughs> but um, but look, let's go ahead and leave a cliffhanger here. Everybody who's been checking in, who's here now, who's listening to the podcast. Um, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, or Sam Howe. Think about that. Who would you prefer a quarterback for 2024 uh commander season if that was your call? We'll be back Thursday. We're going to kick off the show with that conversation. Um, we'll also open up the uh, the the link, send a link to anybody who wants to come in. Open show. Uh, we're all back. I see what G said. Hey, G, say that for Thursday, bro. Or or at least call in and tell us why you're going to make that pick. I'm not even going to announce it. I'm not going to say it on the podcast uh, right now. Uh, but you tell us uh, what you all are thinking. Uh, we'll talk about it on Thursday. Open show. Y'all call in. Take the link, uh, and we'll we'll chop it up. Then uh, we got another thing uh, that we we heard over the past couple of days. We'll talk about that with Marty Herney as, as well. So Dre, man, appreciate you, man. Welcome back, bro. Hey, this is my first drink since Vegas, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I took a little hiatus after that week, bro. It was a long hey. week of drinking, bro. I, I feel I feel weird. I only took a couple sips. <laughs> what you what you had a black hangover experience down that joint? <laughs> Look, man. All I know is, bro, we woke up Sunday. By God's grace, I made it to the sports book. Um, like off of two two and a half hours of sleep, and then when I got back from the sports book, we did a whole like recap of the night. Barely anything I can remember. I'm like, Nick, I did that. <laughs> That's the way you do it in Vegas. <laughs> what it is, that is how you do it, man. Hey, G said he's gonna come through. All right, bet. Say no more, bro. We're gonna chop it up on Thursday. Dre, be safe, bro. I'm gonna holler at you Thursday. Everybody in the chat, we'll we'll catch y'all on Thursday too, man. Appreciate y'all for watching. Peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole, or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long, or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.